Thanks for tuning in to the hottest talk radio show around. Providing an open discussion for some of the most important social issues and trending topics today. From personal growth or spirituality to sex and relationships, no subject is ever taboo. So prepare to be empowered, enlightened, and entertained during another episode of the award-winning Let's Face It with Will Strayhorn and Friends. Real people, real topics, real talk. Hey, thanks for tuning in, everybody. I am your host, Will Strayhorn, and in the studio, we have Summer Rain, and we have Black Jesus, Justin Crowley Strayhorn. He is back again. You might have to get you a contract, but you've been on time. You've been here on the little word today. How are you? I am doing good. I am happy. Oh, great. Great, great, great. Summer. How yeah. Are you? you doing good? Uh- uh, yeah, I'm doing it. Oh, Lord. They don't sound right. They sure don't. They don't sound right. <laughs> how was your, how was your um, I don't want to say Memorial Day. How was your Labor Day? It was, um, it was good. I just relaxed, hung out with some friends, and um, okay. just tried to, yeah. Yeah. Enjoy my time off. I took a couple of days off, like about a week off from work. So I was, it was a struggle today. <laughs> Wait a minute, you said a couple of days. You said a week off from work. That's different than a couple of days. A couple of days. <laughs> I took off last Tuesday to, and I went back today. So. Oh, wow. Well yeah. deserved. Well deserved. I'm glad you um got a chance. Later on this evening, uh, we have Clint Callahan, social worker um, and therapist, who's going to talk to us about avoiding burnout and other emotional issues that can come um, in your life from just going too hard. So he's going to talk to us about small changes, big impact, 1% per day transformational, this transformational system. So he's going to be here a little bit about 7.30 p.m., but right now we're going to kick things off in our tabletop with um, some good conversation, hopefully some good debate. We only have two more shows next Tuesday and the show after that. Um, still planning. We're not sure what we're going to do, but hopefully we're going to do something really big for that show on the 19th uh, to kick off the ending of Season 9. So if you don't mind, I want to go ahead and start things off um, today. I'd ask you guys a little bit earlier to think about your best piece of advice Guys, I've gotten some good advice over the years, but I was listening to um, YouTube. I like to watch the YouTube shorts, and I saw Tammy, no, Tabitha Brown. Um, she always gives a lot of good advice. Mm-hmm. America's mom. So she said a little bit of um, good advice about um, just realizing that even though you may feel like it's not your season or that you're in the spirit of waiting like that am, just realizing that, you know, you're still enough and that your teammates are so important and this is not going to always, things are not going to always be like they are right now. So I'm going to play this clip and then I'm going to ask you, you guys a question. Hello there. I know it's late. I just finished working and I was like, ooh, it's time to go to bed. Lord Jesus, it's 3.30. But as I was about to get up from my desk and go to bed something in my spirit said somebody needs to hear this are you listening you deserve to be here baby you do you deserve to be in this world we need you here you are loved maybe you didn't hear it today but I love you okay I know that things don't feel good But it's okay. You still deserve to be here. And things will change. Okay? Don't you give up on yourself. Change is coming. And a different energy will start to happen. I love you. Okay. So, that's that's it for me. It's like when I stroll in, I always got something that I need right there. And that right there just 
um, just made me feel good. Just gave me that push um, on the way home. I think it was on the way home from church talking about um, that was asking questions about giving up and all the stuff that we spiritual insight, but this right here really touched me. So I want to ask you to, what's the best piece of advice or encouragement or whatever that you've ever received? You want me to go (laughs) Okay, I'll go first. So um, I save like quotes and stuff like that in my phone all the time just to go back when I need some type of encouragement and things like that. Um, and one thing that really stuck out was it says, what felt like rejection might have actually been redirection and protection. He's mm-hmm. sovereign overall. What's for you is for you. Let him lead you. Mm, that's good. That's yeah. good. Have, now, you said you saved them for when you need them. Have you ever had to go back on that before? Yeah, yeah. I, I, <laughs> I try to go back and just kind of go through even if I'm not sad, you know, sometimes we think that we can only turn to affirmation or quotes when we're, like, sad and need a pickup. But sometimes, you know, you might have a good day and just, you know, review one, go look at one and, you know, and still feel the same feeling. Like, yeah, I got it today. You know, it's coming today or, you know, I'm, I'm steadfast and still going strong. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Justin? Um, I don't think it's good advice I ever uh, yeah. Be what? Uh, yeah. Okay. Is that something that you dealt with in the past? Like, not feeling like you could? Well, you know, church and everything. You know, oh, okay. Kind of feel like it's a fall. Yeah. But I was saying, once I became by a teacher, that's what I think about blessing. Really? I feel like. but I think I am like about 85%. And I think that there are some factors that, you know, play into that. I I still feel like even though we as a culture, as far as like, um, you know, black people have evolved, we still have to do a little bending in the workplace just a little bit more than other races. So I do feel like, you know, majority of that is, based off of, like, where, I, you know, my workplace. Hmm. That's good. I, I, I'm, I'm even impressed with 85. I would say, for me, it's about 70. <laughs> if I was 100%, I would be a multi-billionaire. Do you know that? I got so much. Do you think that those people who like have money that that type of money are their authentic selves or do you think that I they always, put on something else put on a facade i always hear people say in comments and it may not be phrased authentic the authentic self but i can you know describe the what they're saying is that they're so once they get over you know camera thing oprah's all always said once she has become comfortable with who she is and expressing who she is and not saying what people think and pretty much that me, that's, that's the issue with me that holds me back from being 100% real across the board, not just when I'm with y'all, uh, but also when I'm in churches, when I'm in front of people. I care so much, unfortunately, about what, what others, how I come across to others, the image of it all. Um, and I know that holds me back. I wish I could just be, that's why I admire people like Cardi B and people who are just, this is me take me, you know, take me or leave me. And I think because of their realness, a lot of people gravitate to them. I know I do, and I may not agree with how she presents herself, but she's 100% real. This is her in court. This is her in church. This is her everywhere. She don't have different faces. Um, I just admire that, and that's, to me, what authentic is. You're 100% yourself across the board. Um, I admire that. Uh, a 
lot of mm. Um, did you have um, a topic that you wanted to bring up? Um, I saw this on <laughs> I saw this on the internet, so I just wanted to ask. So there was like a um, there was a spouse like the two I think it was a woman and a man. They were married, and the woman was on her deathbed. I don't know mm. if you heard this. She was on her deathbed, and she um, asked her husband, because um, she had terminal illness that cannot be cured, and she had, I think she had like a week to live, and she asked if she, for her dying wish if she could sleep with her ex-boyfriend cool. one more time. <laughs> and um She asked her current person that? Her husband, her current husband that she's with, if she could, as her dying wish, if she could sleep with her um, ex-boyfriend one last time. And so, of course, he was living. (laughs) Of course, he was living. So, basically, it's like, um, you know, do you have, if if that was you, what would be like your... Not that particular case, but what would be your um, dying wish if you were on deathbed? And then answer the question, like, how would you feel if your spouse asked you that? I think if my spouse asked me, oh, my God, I would be, that would be a compounded sadness. I would be, I will be extremely sad and hurt. It would probably be my last, I'll be able to just let them, tell them to call me once she's gone. That would probably be my last <laughs> of that person, but I'll be hurt. I'll be real hurt. That's not that you want to spend time with me when you go on the last trip or vacation or dinner. You want to have sex with your ex. So you were thinking about your ex, but we was, we was having sex. You know? Has yeah, to be. I would be upset. My dying wish would be I would, I would want to meet somebody famous. Uh, either that or a trip. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll be my dying wish. That's if I can move. If I can't move, bring it to me. Bring me, do something elaborate. Bring it to me. Bring it to me. Something like that at the house. Okay, Jeff. Um, what if your spouse asked you that first? If my spouse asked me that, uh, the Holy Ghost. Oh, Lord, that's <laughs> And I mean the real Holy Ghost. Not that ba 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 Oh, my Lord. 
I gotta make sure, like, doctor, they're they not coming back right, okay? All right. Um, my last dying wish, um, probably, probably do a trip, yeah, if I could move, if I could get up and move or something like that, or if I could have, be rolled out somewhere and I could, you know, they could fly me somewhere, I would love to go and just roll me out to the water, to the beach, and let me just, let me pass out there. Okay. Okay. Right. So, um, passive aggressive. You guys know what that is? Passive aggressive behavior. Yeah. Well, okay. So, passive aggressiveness is, you know, when someone denies experiencing negative feelings, typically as anger or hurt, but then they covertly act out these feelings. I, you know, my family we're kings and queens. So, if we feel negative feelings towards another person, sometimes we put those feelings to the side and treat them normally, but still our unprocessed emotions, hurt or anger, it'll color our interactions with the person and cause us to act out passively aggressive. Um, some examples are responding to people's texts slowly to teach them a lesson, ignoring someone when they enter a room because you feel angry with that person, uh, withholding love or sex from your partner as a way of punishing your partner instead of sharing what you are upset about, and ganging up on your partner and a group of people as a way to bring their self-esteem down. So those are ways that you can be passive-aggressive. I I like to say that I'm not passive-aggressive, but I can think of a lot of instances in which I have acted uh, passive-aggressively. So I'm going to play this little clip for you, and then I'm going to ask you all the questions. I'm not passive aggressive at all. So what you'll never do is be in a room with me and I can sense something is wrong and me not say, hey, is there an issue? Would you like to talk about it? Oh, fam, I am the exact opposite. Yeah, are you? I just leave you alone. No, I want to know why. Because here's why. I think that the enemy does a great job at talking to people in their minds about something that's not true. And if the Bible says that the truth is what sets people free, I think that it is my responsibility have a conversation with you because the Bible says if you have an ought against somebody, go to them. I'd rather approach this situation and say, is there a problem before I allow the enemy to continue to lie to you? Okay. So my question is, how do y'all handle things? Are you more passive aggressive, you know, silent treatment and stuff like that, or are you direct and confrontational? Let's get this in the bud now. What's up? I think everyone have a little bit of both. There are some people who are naturally just passive-aggressive people because they avoid confrontation. Uh-huh. But I think that, you know, at times that we can ignore our spouse or ignore, you know, a friend or something like that, they made you mad. But, you know, some people it takes time to um, – I'm a processor person. So if I may have felt like it was a backhanded compliment or you may have did me wrong or, you know, sometimes it takes me a moment to process. So Mm -hmm. I have been guilty, you know, of just being quiet because I'm very, I try to pick my words very carefully because if I go off on the, you know, on a thing there, it Mm -hmm. could not end good, you know, and now we done worked up into an argument within either a relationship or a friendship when I could have just took that moment to figure out if it, if it was me, maybe I was emotional that day because I'm a woman. Maybe I was tripping or maybe I looked more into it. Mm-hmm. So I think we can all, we all have some okay. you know, sarcasm and I, I, I looked it up and it says sarcasm or snarky comments or backhanded compliments and stuff like that. Yeah. But one interesting thing is a procrastinating on a project, knowing that it may affect others. That's interesting. That's a passive aggressive behavior. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. I can see that. Everybody else is pressed to get it done, get it done, and you just taking your time. Just to make mm-hmm. another person mad because they perhaps they show up at your event to help you last time or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Of course, I've never done anything like that. 
You said you never. No. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. You are quick, especially this right here, withholding love or sex as a way of punishing your partner instead of sharing with your. You know, I don't ever hold it back. Yes, you do. Oh, my God. I think so. I think everybody has done it at some point in time. Everybody has. I don't believe it. If you're really mad, I don't don't believe. I think you just be like, I'm just going to go to bed. Like, I'm done with this. I'm going to bed. Or you go to bed early. Something like that. Everybody's done it. Okay. All right. You, you, have you ever done it? You know, early. Yeah, just before. No. Oh. So, exactly. yeah, so, this, is a, this is a perfect couple, honey. <laughs> okay. All right. You know what? When we started with that. Oh, yeah. Let's just keep on. Did you have. Did you uh did you have another topic or did you want me to keep on? No, you play the other clip. Okay, all right. Uh let me see. That's so many. Okay, Tammy Roman, you guys know her. What was she on Basketball Wives, I think? Yeah. She was talking about um, you know, she had been divorced and then just in her um I guess looking for this next partner, you know, priorities have changed. So um, she says that um, there's some things that you need to think about in a partner and a spouse or whatever, and also continue to reassess as you go on in a marriage or relationship, as you continue to grow and develop in your life and yourself, your career, all of that. She says love won't always be enough to keep two people together, and Mm -hmm. some people may want to move on to a new chapter in their life, because people change and desires can change as well. So I'm going to play mm-hmm. her clip and then I had access to a lot of money. Mm-hmm. I was married to a professional basketball player. Yes, ma'am. Worth $60 million. Mm-hmm. My life was grand. Mm-hmm. But I didn't have love. Mm-hmm. I didn't have commitment. I didn't have respect, integrity within that dynamic. And so when we got divorced, those are the things that I wanted. Mm-hmm. You still know what that lifestyle kind of presented you. Now, you're not going to fall far from that. If you're used to eating filet mignon, you're not going to start eating hamburger helper. Or I'm asking you the question, is love enough? Now, if he said, baby, listen, baby, I'm going to just move in with you, you and your daughter, you know what I'm saying? I'm going to love you unconditionally. I'm going to protect you, right? Now, the provision part, that's going to be your job. You ain't got to never worry about me stepping out. You ain't got to never worry about me cheating on you. Baby, I'm all yours. Look good. I'm going to make sure I got my abs bulging. I'm going to make sure when you come home from sex and things like that, my bamboo going to be ready for you. (laughs) Is that enough? Yes. Okay. So the question is, um, is love alone enough to sustain a relationship or a marriage? Do you think we're all alone? I think we, I think we talked about this before, um, but no, I, I, I don't agree. I think there's other characteristics that <clears throat> you need to be able to fall back on if you're going to be fully committed to somebody for the rest of your life. I mean, love is, you know, love is great to have. Well, love is a requirement to have, but mm-hmm. it's not enough. You need honesty, you need communication, you need trust, you need loyalty, you need, you know, like, you need to give your partner space and room to grow, and you need to grow, like, and then sometimes I guess you just need to be honest with yourself if you do grow out of that relationship, too. You can still love a person and not be with them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. That's why we all have exes, oh, you know. Oh, I didn't notice you. I, didn't, I noticed you didn't mention that. You named a lot of things that are good essential ingredients, I think, to a relationship. But what about friendship? Do you think friendship is necessary or no? 
Me? Yeah, I, I'm answer. Yeah, I think you need to be able to be friends with that person because the kind of the last segment, <clears throat> if you're able to not exhibit those passive aggressive behaviors because they allow you to be open and honest with them. Now, mm-hmm. you of course, you want to choose your words wisely when you go and bring conflict or an issue to them, but being friends allows you. I was watching um, a show called All of Us. I don't know if y'all remember that from back in the day. And I thought it was so cute. Of course, it's scripted, but when they were having an issue, he was like piggyback. So mm-hmm. he would turn his back to her, and she would have to jump on his back, and she he would walk around with her on his back, and she would tell him, like, what was wrong with him. And I thought that was so cute. Of course, it's made up, but it mm-hmm. still, you know, allowed that atmosphere of it wasn't serious. They wasn't sitting down next to each other on the couch arguing or over dinner mm-hmm. arguing. Like, they were in a comfortable space enough for him to express himself and her to express herself. And I felt like that was friendship right there and not the relationship. That was, hey, I'm coming to my friend to talk to you. Okay. Well, I'm going to say, uh, don't think anymore of, uh, uh, but you're kind of learning this again, attitude. Uh, so what is that? Is it the patience? So what is that? Give me patience and everything. I don't think you know all the spirit. All the people's spirit? Okay, well, you probably don't know what the spirit are. So can you name those? Huh? Mm-hmm. relationships be boring sometimes like when you when you really start to find your like i'm i'm saying this as an expression in the 30s i got a new appreciation for boring my right i got a whole new appreciation for not just being able to sit down with me and mine and not have nothing ain't on fire don't nobody need me to leave the house i'm good so while you young yeah it seemed like you want exciting every day but i'm i'm a caution you because things too like the caution when you always looking for excitement from your relationship, 
you're going to start expecting the person across from you to perform for your entertainment, you feel me? And that's not nobody's job, bruh. Yes, like, it is. Like, the cat <laughs> like, if, if y'all want to add new layers to y'all relationship because the old shit ain't working, you need to figure out ways to become a new person. You know what I'm saying? Do some new shit in your own life so your partner got some new shit to learn. And let them do some new shit in their own life so you got some new shit to learn. But actual excitement, bro, that ain't their job. Period. That's all I'm gonna say. Now I'm moving. I'm gonna, I'm gonna just send it on. The, that was mine. <laughs> on purpose. Uh huh. Explain period. What that period means. <laughs> I agree with him. Everything that I agree with, like it just it just comes back to you know growing and <clears throat> just learning new things, doing different things, just. Not and then not expecting anything out of your partner to perform for you, to entertain you. Like you got your own stuff going on, and then you come home with your excitement, and you know then your partner can bask and share in that. Like it's not like I got to be doing something for you or with you all the time. Like you need to have your own separate life, and that creates, you know entertainment outside like if you join a soccer team like I get to come and see you know that's your love and your passion so now there's passion back in there I get to come see you and I'm falling back in love with you because I see you you know passionate about something driven about something like stuff like that and it just happened to me so that's why that's why yeah moving on yeah yeah Yeah, no I, I, I agree with you um, to piggyback on what you said, I recall a couple of weeks ago, um, since Justin has gotten so since Justin has gotten this new job, his first job in his field, and I, just watching him is exciting because I see that he's really passionate about what he's doing. And I'm so sure I like always playing with him. One time I came in the living room and I was I don't know what I was doing with you that day. Who's doing your work? And I was like, I was about to get mad. Until I realized this dude's that word, and he's loving what he's doing. Um, and usually, I want to do anything. I want when I do something I want to say, I want to go back and forth. I want to acknowledge it. But I just realized that he's bringing a different space. Um, just, just, just remind me, I need to get to the light. You know, I'm just, I think, I think you and I, we both depend on each other for a lot. We're supposed to be a lot to each other. I don't think as life goes on, I'll be supposed to be a lot. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a long time for us to think about other people's expectations of what we're supposed to be doing in a relationship. And I think it's a long time for us to do everything, try to be everything to each other. To each other, yeah. yeah. to the bride. 
She says, our kids will be there. They are part of the wedding. You should see their little outfits. Oh, my God, so cute. I can't wait for everyone to see. Says, How is that fair if they're going to if they're going but my daughter can't come? She said, Well, they're our kids, LOL. Plus we've reached capacity on the venue, so we really can't stand anyone else. The guest says, So you'll pay for my babysitter for the night then? And then the wife says, No, I'm sorry, but that's not my responsibility. If you can't become if you can't come because you don't have child care, That'll suck, and I'll miss you that day, but I totally understand if that's the case. And the, the guest says, how is that your responsibility? How is that not your responsibility if you're inviting me but not my kid? So I have to give you money for a present, pay for my own gas to get to your wedding, pay for a babysitter and an outfit. Shouldn't you be the one to pay all of this census for your wedding? And then the bride said, well, this is why we don't have, we don't. This is why we gave lots of notice for the wedding so that everyone would be able to make childcare arrangements if need be. As for giving me money as a gift, I did not expect expect gifts from anyone at all. You don't have to give me a gift. Your presence would be gift enough. And no, your gas, dress, etc., isn't my responsibility. Like I said before, if you can't make it, I'll miss you that day. But I do understand. And the guest says, if you transfer me $300, I'll come and bring you a present. I really want to be there for you, smiley face. And she said, uh, I'm not sending you money. LOL. I'm trying to be as nice as possible here because I love you, but you're being quite rude. Mm-hmm. And the says, it's actually rude of you to be saying no kids, but having your kids there and then not pay for your guest babysitter. Selfish. And she says, like I said, those are our kids. Of course, they'll be at our wedding. I can't believe you even expect this from anyone, let alone I'm just going to make this very easy on you and mark you down as not attending. And then the guest replies, no, I'll come. Who was wrong there? Uh, The guest. The guest. Yeah. Okay. Any particular reason why? Um, It's just like I mean, I understand it's a wedding, but it's an event. So if you're going out, like if somebody invites you to brunch and you don't have, you know, like you don't have a babysitter, you're going to ask them, like, can you pay for my babysitter so we can go eat brunch plus pay for my meal? Like mm-hmm. the wedding is, everyone knows weddings, um, uh, the, what is those things called? Invitations. Mm-hmm. Go out well enough advance for you to set up child care if you have it first and also why do you expect just because you have a child doesn't mean that that I have to bring my kid there because her kids are going to be there like I'm not I didn't understand that concept like your kids are going to be there so why can't I bring mine because your child is not invited we're having no kids my kids are not this is family you know yeah, They're part of the yeah. wedding party, and I just didn't understand at the very end when she was like, I'll come. I would have said, no, thank you, and you have been removed. No, for real. We will discuss this after because I don't want that negativity. Like at a wedding, you don't want any negative vibes. You don't want anybody pulling you to the side. You don't want to hear about anybody talking to you, anybody right. frowned up your pictures and you don't want none of that. It's supposed to be a happy celebratory day, and she's already starting it off yeah. with negative energy. So now you come in here, you might be grumpy, you might be your your face might be off if she in a wedding party. You know, like you messing up my right. pictures. You don't like now you complaining about the food to people to my guests. Like, yes. just stay home because something maybe something else is going on, and you might want to talk to me. So let's talk about this after, but you are not no longer invited to my wedding. Right. Those passive aggressive give those passive aggressive By who though? Because I feel like they both were very I don't feel like either one to me, I don't feel like either one of them was passive aggressive. I felt like the lady no, the guest if she came if she came to the wedding, she'll be so probably uh, Yep. It says using sarcasm or snarky comments Uh and giving backhanded compliments. Yeah, that's what you're going to be doing. You can stay home and watch uh, Bubble Guppies with your child. (laughs) 
these really small shifts in my perception of how I perceived reality, how I felt about myself, I began the process of connection because the thing that people don't really realize about burnout is that burnout is profound disconnection from all the areas of your life. It's from it's from your friends, it's from your family, it's from yourself, and it's from your purpose. Awesome. So I was going through um, your... Uh, just going through your Instagram and going through your website mm-hmm. and things like that. And I did notice one thing that stood out to me. Um, it said that you noticed that there are flaws in the mental health space. Can you yes. give us two flaws that um, are in the mental health space? Sure. I think some of the big flaws that are in the mental health space is that one is they limit the amount of, they limit the type and the amount of therapy that you can get and it makes therapy unaffordable for people because the way the insurance system is run is when you buy health insurance, you think, oh, this obviously has a insurance benefit or mental health insurance benefit or these kind of things. But often we get these insurances that are like a deductible that you have to pay before the insurance even kicks in, the high deductible plans. And that's where a lot of companies are moving towards is those plans to where you're paying for the insurance out of your pocket, and then you have to pay another two, five, seven thousand dollars $7,000 before it even becomes active. So it really is more catastrophic than anything else. So I'd say that is the first glaring inequity in in mental health care is that, that it needs to be able to be accessible to everybody. And the next thing is is that it's is there's a limited amount of therapists because to be can only one on one therapy you can only take so many clients before you yourself begin to burn out as a therapist because you're dealing with everybody else's pain all day long to where you don't have time for yourself then at the end of the day because you're so burned out. And so that's the other piece is that doing more of a group-based practice where you create a community of people that can work together along with the guidance of the therapist to create that kind of holistic healing around that to see that you're not alone. Because most people, when they're going through mental health crises, feel isolated and alone. And that, I think, is the other part that really needs to change when it comes to mental health. Absolutely. Definitely agree with that. Yeah. So I just want to backpedal a little bit. So earlier you you were saying sure. about the process that you went through to finding yourself after your business had mm-hmm. closed down in 2008. Um, you also mentioned that you went through this process of you know finding your authentic self. And I know we were talking about in our table topic um, just being authentic and what it takes to really be authentic. And you say finding yourself authentic as a husband, a father, and a man. So what was that? Give us a little insight about what that process was. How difficult was it? And what you have to do. I'm still working on it every day. I'm more authentically me than I've ever been. But the first 38 years of my life was I was consumed by imposter syndrome and people-pleasing to where I would attempt to identify what other people need from me and try to become that before they even were aware that I was changing personalities. And then it would, of course, make me feel like an imposter because I was being an imposter. So so then you had that double whammy of I'm attempting to be this thing that I think you want, but yet people intrinsically know when you're, when you're not being truthful. You mm-hmm. know when someone is not being their true self. You can just it's like the sixth sense you can just feel like, okay, you're saying all the right things, but I don't believe it. I, I don't believe what you're saying. You're, all the words are super pretty, but no, I don't believe you. And, and that's the thing. And so for me it was I had to get over my fear of people knowing me. I had to get over my fear of people, of, of people accepting or not accepting me. I had to recognize that that I'm still working on this every day, but the main thing I had to recognize is it's not my job to make you like me. You mm-hmm. either like me or you don't like me based on the content of my character, me bringing me and everything that is me to the table and saying, this is me. 
And that's the thing is we are starved for that in the world today because yeah. of Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, all the different social media platforms are designed by bio, by neurobiologists and by psychologists to make you feel like you're getting that, that the, the love and the feelings from someone liking your picture. It triggers that dopamine response system that then creates this issue of not feeling connected to anybody because really what are you seeing when you're on those? You're seeing 1% one, of someone's curated life. You're not really seeing what's going on with them really, but your brain doesn't know the difference and that's the problem because your brain doesn't know. It thinks it's getting what it needs, but then when you're off of it, you feel depleted, you feel exhausted, you feel more empty than ever. And it's those pieces of that's where authenticity needs to be eyeball to eyeball, face to face. I think that is one of the most important things that we've gotten away from is, you know, humanity grew up in small groups of 25 to 100 people. And now we live in cities of millions and millions and hundreds of thousands of people where we literally don't know our neighbors where your neighbors could walk up next to you and you would not even know that they've been living next to you for the last five years, ten years, because you haven't taken the time. So I um, was, I saw that you had like a free training, like a free 15-minute training for uh, mm-hmm. how to beat burnout and stress. And I do know that burnout mm-hmm. is like a real uh, a topic that's like very heavily out there on social media and in the mental mm-hmm. health space. So what do you think um, is a way that we can overcome it and um, without giving away any tips from your training, what would you say, though, is the mm-hmm. best tip you can give someone to overcome that? Oh, I'm, I'm happy to give it away. That's what I'm all about. <laughs> I'll give it away. So basically it comes down to the first thing you have to know is what is burnout. That's the first thing, because if you can't identify the problem, you can't solve for it. So what burnout is, is profound disconnection, where you're disconnected from your purpose, you're disconnected from your friends, you're disconnected from your family, and you're disconnected from yourself. And when people will, isn't self and purpose the same thing? And the answer is no. Who you are is not what you do. That those are separate things. M- many men, many women get that confused. Who you are is not what you do. But what the, the way I started this process was I went back to um, stuff that I learned when I was in college because I studied a lot of Buddhism in college, and it comes back to my daily routine hasn't really changed since I got back into it when I was 38 and got through this that long, about a decade worth of burnout after my mom died. And what I did was I began just doing med- – I meditate basically three minutes in the morning and I meditate on what I want to get out, what I want to get from today. And then I take two minutes and I journal about what are the two goals that I want to get out of today, one personal and one professional. And then I do that again at lunchtime. I meditate for three minutes and I write on those two intentions I said in the morning. And then I do that again in the evening. And people are like, well, what is three minutes of meditation going to really do for you? Well, if anyone knows that's ever tried to meditate, Three minutes when you're meditating may feel like a hundred years because mm-hmm. just sitting still for three minutes and being quiet and just breathing is hard. So mm-hmm. literally, but doing it with intention of recognizing where you want to, of what you're trying to get from the day, because most people just try to get through it. So that's yeah. the beginning. So the two goals that I've had, which I've done every day, because I've been able to refine all my goals down to these two goals that I use every day are, personally, my job is to be present in every interaction with my kids, with my wife, with anybody that's in front of me, is to be there, to not be distracted, which is, as you know, really, really difficult in today's world because there's 19 things that want my attention right now while I'm talking to you. And then professionally is, when I see that light bulb moment with people that I'm working with, that little flicker of recognition of, wait a minute, I don't have to stay this way. I do everything I can to continue to steer them towards that light bulb moment because it may not be what I would consider a light bulb moment, but for them, it is. 
and they may not even be aware of it. So my job is to be present and to be aware of what that is to move them towards that moment. And that's what I do every day in order to get people to see that it doesn't take the big three-day super mega supercharged intensive to get you to make changes because that wears off. But doing this 15 minutes every day of being intentional with your time, with your energy, with your connections, and with your purpose will begin to pay off dividends long term. Because it's just like that math equation, right? If you double a penny every day for a month, you now have millions of dollars. And it's the same with your intentions and with your purpose. If you work on yourself every day for 15 minutes towards a a very focused goal, then within 30 days, you'll have change. Within, you know, within 60 days, you'll have even more. Within 100 days, you'll have a complete transformation and you'll be able to move through your life looking at it differently because ultimately what our life is is the story we tell ourselves every second of every day. But the best thing about being a human being is we can change our story anytime we want to. All we have to do is make the choice and have the proper tools to recognize how to make the good changes. And that's what I teach people. Wow. So I have a kind of a two-part question. I want to first um, go back to what we were saying, um, being present in every mm-hmm. situation, in every relationship. To me, that is a, a huge challenge because I, I juggle so yeah. much. But just coincidentally, uh, I think it was last week or maybe the week before then, I had a coworker who I needed to talk to about a situation at work, and I approached them when I thought they weren't busy. And she did the nicest mm-hmm. thing. She was like, you know what? I have a million things going on in my head right now, and I cannot be present with you the way I want to. She said, let me handle mm-hmm. everything, and I promise you I'll come see you before the end of the day. And she kept mm-hmm. the word. She came back later on before we um, ended for the day, and we talked about it, and I could tell that she was there. But just for her not to let me sit there and talk while she was in a million places eventually, that meant a lot to me. And I had just never mm-hmm. experienced somebody um, that set that, that on being present in the conversation. Because I, I had to admit, to me, I probably would have act like I was listening and my mind was being pulled and bleeding in one place. But just the importance you know, of being heard, that was, that was impressive to me. Um, but the question I wanted to ask you is, I know failure affects a lot of people differently. Failure, um, mm-hmm. fear of failure, and you mentioned in 2008, um, you closed your real estate um, how did yep. those lessons from, you know, the emotional toll of failure, how did that affect your mental health? Mm-hmm. What lessons? It, affect, well, it, it affected me as, you know, as it would anybody's where I felt like a complete and total failure. And I felt like a failure in multiple areas of my life because, you know, I'm still getting over the grief and loss of my mom, which as a therapist and as having her commit suicide, made me feel like a massive failure there, which is one of the reasons why I stopped doing therapy for a couple of years. And then I went into real estate and was doing all these other things, and then that fell apart, even though logically I know it was completely out of my control, right? When 2008 happened, nobody knew it was going to happen, or if they did, they weren't talking until after the fact, right? So nobody knew. And But at that time, it was like, see, this is just another way that I made, I made, the, I made the wrong choice. I made... I did this stuff. I put my family in jeopardy. We lost everything. We had to go move in with my in-laws for a year and a half with our newborn son. So I felt at the lowest of the low point of, of being a man because I completely failed my family. And, you know, and so from there, I had to make a change. I had to decide, am I going to stay feeling like a failure or am I going to use this as a stepping stone to move forward? And that was because in failure, there's two choices. You either learn from it or you carry it around like a giant albatross around your neck. And I chose to learn from it and continue to move forward because the alternative was I would stay stuck and I would not have moved forward and I probably would have lost my family because I would have continued to be burned out and made bad choices and continued to make to do things like that. But the thing is, is all it took was the easiest and the hardest thing in the world to do. I had to make a choice. Because what ultimately I found out is life is binary. It's Yoda. Do or do not. There is no try. 
You either do it or you don't. There's no in-between. Did you do it? Yes or no. That's it. And so I had to make that choice to do it so that I wouldn't stay stuck, so I could become the man that I wanted to be, so I could live up to the... The, th- the seeds implanted by my parents of I need to go do something and make a change in this world for the better. The way that I wanted, I want my, my boys to see me and to, to be the kind of man and kind of father that I want them to become. Those kind of things, I had to make a choice. And it was one of the hardest things I've ever had to do. And I still have to make that choice every day because there's still days when I'm like, I don't want to do this. And so what I've done is I've built failure into all of my goals. I give myself cheat days, cheat moments, times when I can say, I don't want to do this today, I'm taking the day off. Because by building failure into my goal, I know I can succeed because it's now just a part of the goal. If I'm taking the day off because I'm just mentally fried, that's fine. You can do that because it's part of it. Because if you don't do that, then you are striving for excellence at all times, and that's impossible. We're human beings. We can't be perfect every second of every day. (laughs) Awesome. Um, So we definitely want to thank you for coming. Um, It was very enlightening. I actually wrote down that meditation. I have, I I try to do, I try to meditate in the morning, but I, I really want to try to get out of the bed <laughs> because I meditate yeah. and fall back to sleep. So I think I, I want to be more intentional about getting up and preparing my day and then sitting down and meditate before I go into my work day. And that may, you know, help alleviate a lot of those stressors. Um, so I just want to um, ask where can our listeners find you and Sure. What do you offer your clients in your program that you offer? Sure. So I have, so I have, as you said, there is going to be in the link for my free 30-minute coaching call. Uh, you can find me on Facebook and Instagram at smallchangesbigimpact.thenumber4andtheletteru. And what I offer people is it's a, it's a 14-week course that teaches them 30 different psychological tools and then I do two days a week where I do in-person group coaching with everybody. So you can ask me direct questions and everything twice a week. And it's a go at your own pace. It's figuring out how this works for you. We can, uh, I will work with people and we'll do like quick one-on-one coaching calls if you're really struggling with a concept or something. It is a combination of, um, of a, vi- a video lesson that's less than 50, that's 15 minutes or less and then a worksheet that takes 15 minutes or less to do. And because that that's the whole thing, right? It's 15 minutes a day because that's what I'm trying to get people to understand is it doesn't have to be hours and hours of focusing on something to make a change. It really works better if it is slow and steady and really small bite-sized chunks because otherwise you get overwhelmed so easy. It's just like when you climb a mountain. You don't look at the peak because you're already exhausted if you're on the ground, because you're like, how am I going to get up there? Instead, you follow your guide, you go up the trail, and you stop at base camps, and that's what I teach people to do, how to get through life like that, because it will help you to feel more just in control of what's going on in your life, because it ultimately comes back to that, as we are the ones who are in control of our own lives if we give ourselves permission to be. And how can um, people follow you online and contact you? Uh, you know, they, my, all, my, in, all my contact information is at smallchangesbigimpact.thenumber4theletteru at Facebook and Instagram, or they can find me online at smallchangesbigimpact.net backslash info. And there you can also set up a call with me, or you can uh, there's an ebook there on burnout and different things like that. All right. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you for all the information, excuse me, as well as the free offer that you offered our listeners. We appreciate you. Thank you very much. I was grateful to be here. Awesome. Thank you. Have a good evening. Thank you. You too. Okay. So next week we have special guests coming up. Hopefully that we have someone joining our conversation on next Tuesday. And then I think that's 
the second to the last show for the season, season nine, September the 19th. Do you have any plans for the weekend? Our cruises. Cruises the 24th, so the week that we end the season, we're going for our 10-day vacation, thank God. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah. But anything planned for the rest of the week or the weekend? No. No? Okay. It's going to be fabulous, as always. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, everyone else, please be blessed. Be safe out there. COVID is on the rise again. Um, so make sure that you are washing your hands, using your hand sanitizer, and if you need to, put on your mask. I haven't gotten that far yet, but I am washing my hands a little bit more and putting the hand sanitizer. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, absolutely. But until next week, everybody, I uh, pray that you have a blessed and prosperous week. Um, any closing words, Miss Summer, Summer Rain? Actually, from our special guest tonight, um, he I went to his Instagram and was just kind of browsing through and, you know, taking in some of his tips and things like that, and I saw a quote which really was nice. I just want to say you must absolutely choose yourself this time. No more excuses. You said choose yourself this time? You must absolutely choose yourself this time. No more excuses. Oh, I love that. I love that. I love that. There's that word choose again. All right, Destiny, I love Destiny. All right, everybody, be safe, be blessed, and we'll talk to you next time. Good night. Thanks for tuning in to tonight's show. I hope you get a chance during the week to visit our site at livewithwill.com for up-to-date show information, including exclusive opportunities and exciting upcoming interviews. Be sure to tune in next week, same place, same time, for another informative show of real people, real topics, real talk. Let's face it, 